You're listening to Life Church Podcast with Pastor Bill Carpenter. Be that follow up, and then just continue to ask you to pray for the future of that building. Like, what is it that the Lord wants to do? Everything that has happened with the sale of it has fallen through almost miraculously. Sometimes you have things that happen miraculously good. We had like miraculous fall through of every deal with that bill. So we're like, what's going on with this thing? I mean, like, if this if this could go bad, it would go bad uh, in in the deal with that building. So we said, okay, maybe the Lord is telling us we, He wants to do something else with it, and we want to be obedient and trust Him. It is, after all, His building. Right? So um, please be praying about that. And if you hear other things from the Lord saying, hey, I think this might be something that the Lord's speaking, just bring them to us. We'd love to hear those things. But we rejoice with the Lord's leading in that issue. And then finally, Jen Ross is going to come and talk to us about prayer partners. Excited to do that again in 2018. So we are about to launch into our fourth year of prayer partners for our kids. You may, if you're new to the church, in the Uh, last year. Every year we have all of our kids in the church signed up and we um, ask you to sign up to be a anonymous prayer partner for that child. So you get the kids' name, age, what school they go to, and who their parents are. And then we ask that you commit to praying for them at minimum once a week for a year. And so over the next two weeks, we'll be getting all of the kids signed up. So if your child is in the little kids or big kids classrooms back there, I'll be getting their information. But if they're in the toddler room, please come talk to me so that I can get accurate spelling of their name and their information. And then if you will be adding a child to your family this year, um, either expecting or expecting to adopt, please talk to me. We add those kids to our list and we start somebody praying for them now. So um, we'll get everybody signed up in the next two weeks. And then I'm going to be asking all of you um, to consider saying yes to praying for one child um, once a week for a year. It's an awesome program. And if you've noticed the unique relationship that our church has with our children, I think this is part of what makes that happen is that somebody in the church is dedicated to praying to for each one of our children for an entire year. So thanks. Amen. Awesome opportunity. Encourage you to get involved in that for sure. Okay, let's dive into the Word. Uh, We're going to be in Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 26. Uh, We're using the ESV version. If you don't have a Bible, there is a hardback black one in the prayer room. You can snag one of those. And if you don't own a Bible, that's our gift to you today. You can just take it home with you. Uh, But let's begin reading at verse 16 of Galatians chapter 5, where the Apostle Paul writes, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, And the desires of the spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. This is God's word. Amen. Thank you, Pastor.
This is a big passage, this passage in Galatians, and we're going to try to parse it out, uh, but we're going to do what we sometimes do in Life Church, and that is a little series inside of a series. So over the next couple of Sundays, we're going to be talking about walking in the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit uh, and what that looks like, all right? So we're going to kind of examine all of that. Um, so um, to get started this morning, I want to just ask you a question just for you to be introspective for a moment uh, and think about how you doing with your reading, all right? We ask you to read in the book of Acts. We ask that the whole church would participate in a time of reading through the book of Acts while we're in this series, and uh, continually so, meaning that if you get through the book of Acts in a short period of time, that you would go back and start over and read again, that there would be opportunity for you to read uh, maybe two or three times through the book uh, during this series. And what we're hoping is that you will be able to see and identify the work of the Holy Spirit in the early church and some of the powerful things that the Holy Spirit did there. Uh, the intent is, is that you get into God's Word personally, uh, that you begin to make personal application, but also that our faith together is built because we begin to see the hand of God working in the early church and uh, that that encourages us, inspires us, convicts us, challenges us as we go forward. So hopefully uh, you are reading. And hopefully as you are reading, you are praying. And as you are praying, God is speaking through the Holy Spirit to you. And uh, you're able to share those things with us, with each other, uh, so that we're all hearing much more of what the Spirit is speaking to, to us, to the church. Uh, that has been happening. This is the announcement that David made to you. Um, that announcement was not made lightly. It was made after some careful uh, discussion and the prayers and the response of those prayers back to us, of uh, people hearing what the Spirit was saying to them. Um, and by the way, no one in Life Church heard God say, sell the building. Uh, all of the responses that came back, um, they were that we would hold that building and we would try to do some type of ministry in, inside of those walls over at that location as well as here. Uh, so praise the Lord for those people who heard. If you heard sell the building, uh, it's a good thing you didn't say anything, all right? Glad you, you just stayed quiet and, and, and held back so uh, you, didn't, you didn't miss anything, all right? Uh, but that is, that is where we are. We are at a place where we are trying to hear God. We're trying to hear what the Spirit is speaking to the church in our hour, uh, and we're trying to hear what it is that God is, is wanting to do. And so that's some of what we're going to be talking about throughout the series. But uh, I, just, I just want to encourage you to listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying and let the Holy Spirit speak to you. I want to share with you something that someone uh, sent to David and I this week. Uh, it's just sort of a, a, a storyline of what they feel like God has been showing them and speaking to them about where Life Church is as we are entering into this particular series on the Holy Spirit. And I think it's really good. I think it's pretty spot on. Um, and I would like to share it with you uh, anonymously, of, of course. Um, and obviously, we're not going to read everything that everyone brings to us from the pulpit. Uh, but I think this is, is a good example for getting us kind of started in this way. Um, and I want to encourage you that you are speaking back to David and I often the things that God is speaking to you so that we can be more informed of what the Holy Spirit is trying to say to us collectively as a church. This is dated uh, Thursday, January the 11th, 2018. I wonder myself if I have not backed away from the spiritual gifts. 
It seems so hard to determine if I was hearing something from the Spirit and then determine if it needed to be spoken. It seemed easier not to do all that. I so often wondered if it was about me or if I really was hearing the Spirit say something. But as I have thought about the gifts of the Spirit and that they do not seem to operate in us, I wonder if this has not been God's plan all along. This is just a thought I've had. We started growing, and so many different people from so many different backgrounds came into the church. And I wonder if some of the gifts would have been frightening to them and would have frightened them away because they were not used to them or they did not understand them. The Spirit knows the hurts we may have had that involved the gifts. And He may have led us through this time when they did not seem to operate deliberately to grow us in numbers and in understanding. The growth has taken place, and now it is time for teaching and training about the gifts of the Spirit. This is all His plan. I know that the way I was taught in the spiritual gifts did not seem to have much order in it. I do not want to go back to that way. This was long before I was in Life Church. The gifts are of the Spirit, but they are under the control of the one being used in the gift. The Word says the Spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. We need to learn how to walk in the gifts and in God's order. I think this involves also the fruit of the Spirit being manifested in our lives. Then the gifts won't be operating outside of love. Many times I felt the Spirit was telling me something to speak and the calming effect upon me was that if this is of God, He will open the time to speak and give the opportunity. I do not have to force it. And if He does not, then I can be quiet. I think God has brought us to this place to teach and train, but also to bring a power into the church we have not seen yet. This power is to propel us further in His kingdom through witnessing, disciple-making, a deeper walk and understanding of how to live a life in the Spirit. You know what happens to someone when they are prayed for or are just talking to and, and the Spirit reveals something that is very personal in their life. It lets them know that God is interested in them in a very personal way. God has been with us. And the power of the Spirit is in our midst, not just not seen so clearly. But if you look, He is everywhere involved with us doing an amazing work. My own life and what He has done in, with my marriage is rather amazing to me. I am sure that things like this are going on in many lives. I think now the Holy Spirit wants to manifest Himself even more. I think He is doing this as we learn to glorify God and not take any glory ourselves or think that we are something because we are used in the gifts. They are gifts, and I do not think we earn them. We just obey the leading of the Spirit. I am not any better or any worse spiritually because I am used in a gift or not. Life Church is His church, and He has been working all along His way doing what he wants. And now he is doing this with the spiritual gifts. This is the time for this. The door is open for this. And what lies ahead of us 
I am anxious to see it. I concur. I too am very, very excited and very anxious to see what the Holy Spirit is doing and going to continue to be doing. And I think that our time together in this series is going to be really helpful for us as we do that. But I just, I wanted to share that because I do, I believe it's just really spot on. And I also believe that it's a good example to you of of how that God can speak through you and speak to you about Life Church and ways for you to to speak to the leadership so that we are hearing what the, the Spirit is saying. So with that. Let's get into today's uh, message. I want to talk about spirit-powered living or spirit-filled living, if you will. Um, And I want to do this from a really positive interpretation of this passage in Galatians. Um, I, I hear people when they read this or they talk about this particular passage in Galatians, uh, they kind of move into this sort of um, not depressed, but almost depressed kind of mentality or kind of uh, mode. Uh, and it's more of like, uh, well, what, what chance does the, the believer have in staying faithful? You know, uh, how, how can we live a, a, a godly life? How can we avoid shipwrecks? Look around us. Everybody's getting shipwrecked. Everybody's going down the, the tube, so to speak, spiritually. Everybody has all of these problems. And, and it all hints at some kind of resignation, maybe even despair in, in some people's hearts and, and lives, that because they see so many other Christians who have succumbed to sin, that, that making a decision to like obey God, you know, and, and to, to walk with God and, is, and, and to reject wise counsel just seems to be the way to go. And it, it seems that it garners sympathy now from others. It's sort of like we have... We have within the body of Christ people who are disobeying God and walking in deliberate sinful ways. And then we have people who are very sympathetic to that particular situation or that individual and and almost like putting a pat on the back of saying, you know, it's okay. It's okay. And so we, we have people who are not willing to really determined in their hearts to follow God faithfully according to His Word. And what is happening? What is going on that we would resign ourselves to be people who do not follow God and yet call ourselves Christians, who who live and function inside of the church but yet are living lives that are very much out of disorder and are very much uh, um, in rebellion against God. And you say, Pastor, I don't, I, don't, I don't really necessarily see that. Okay, maybe I'm giving you my pers- perspective here. But what I want you to understand is we see it. Pastor Dave and I see it. Elders see it. Others in the body see it. There's some of you who have come and talked to us about the reality that there seems to be a lot of people who seem very okay with their sin. And I want to say to you today that for me, I think the answer lives in the reality that we are operating in our flesh and not in the Spirit. And so because we are living out of our flesh, we are no longer overcomers in the way that God would intend for us to be. And I really want to challenge us that that we would look at that, all right? Because I sympathize with Paul uh, when when he he says, and and he he is very honest with this, he says, I buffet my body. 
Some say the, the, the translation there should be, I, I, I beat down my body, all right? Um, but, but I buffet my body and I make it my slave, he says, lest possibly after I preach to others, I myself should be disqualified. In other words, when I've labored and I've toiled to preach to you and to, to proclaim the gospel to you, Heaven forbid that I should actually be disqualified myself. And so I'm, I'm intent on putting down my own flesh. I'm intent on, on harnessing my flesh and taking hold of it so that it does not take hold of me. And so you and I, we need to be living a life that is characterized by obedience. And that is not easy. I'm not telling you that what I'm proposing to you today is an easy thing. All right, But I'm saying it not only is a doable thing, it is God's intention for you and I. See, I'm going to tell you today that a primary, maybe the primary work of the Holy Spirit is really indeed that you conform to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. That you are constantly growing and maturing and more and more you are becoming like Jesus. And that is a work of the Spirit, not of the flesh. And when we stay in the flesh, we cannot grow. We cannot mature as God would want us to. And so we will continue in sin. And failure is inevitable. And we'll become even normal for the Christian. And that is not where God wants us to be. There are too many sermons and there are too many writings that, that imply that the Christian life is so, like, fraught with temptation, you know, that Satan is like so crafty and so powerful and that we are so weak, all right? And so uh, it's highly questionable if we're even going to make it. How, why would you want to live like that? Why would you want to have that kind of a mindset? We are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. We've been made overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and the testimony of our own lips and the fact that we would not love our own lives even unto death. We've been given everything we need for life and for godliness. And the Holy Spirit has been released upon us that He might not only lead us and guide us, but strengthen us and empower us that we may become the overcomers and do the will of God. And so this is where we are. We're in this place that really, I believe, is a battleground. And so Paul addresses these issues, I think, here in Galatians. And at first glance, he, he appears to, to, to agree with what I'm saying. that The spirit and the flesh are engaged in such a fierce battle here that you may not do the things that you please. However, when, when we get in here and we really start to look at this, and I hope, we can, I hope I can bring this out to you in the next couple of weeks here, but I think that there's a, there's a real point of view here that we need to grab a hold of, and that is that normal Christianity, our normal Christian life, is a godly life that is characterized by righteousness rather than by sin defeats. I don't believe that your life and my life should be characterized by a predominantly sinful nature. We should constantly, if not having already overcome, trying and being intent to overcome, to be intentional to overcome. And so we need to be seeking the Holy Spirit 
and seeking that power reserved, that resource that is in the Spirit so that we can be. Now, not only, this is my premise, not only can we live a godly life, it is normal that we do so. This is the way we should be living. This, is the, this should be natural. The natural outflow of the spirit man or woman needs to be that there is a, a propensity to, to temptation or to sin, but not living into that and, and succumbing to that. All right? It's there. You're going to be tempted. The enemy is out there roaring about, seeking whom he may devour. There are going to be places and times where the enemy is going to come at you and going to know how to do that because he he understands your weaknesses and your propensities. But what Paul is saying and what God says all through his word is that there is a power released to you, the Holy Spirit, to help you to overcome, to resist temptation, to see and identify the way out, and to live in victory in this battle that you're in. And that's what I'm calling you to hold on today to, all right? And so, so I'm going to argue today that, that although we're not free from the presence of sin, we do not need to be defined by it or dominated by it. All right? We can live outside of it. All right? We can live victorious over it. All right? We can remain faithful to the Lord in our lives. And I believe that you and I both should be marked by a progression, a maturity that is coming to us, that the longer we are faithful to God, the closer we are to Him and the more like Christ we are, and that the power of the Holy Spirit is evident in that walk and that progression and that sanctification and that maturity that is happening in our lives. Verse 16 here begins by saying, But I say, I declare to you, I'm saying this to you, walk by the Spirit. I think the, the, the but there, if you will, it, it, it confronts the, the kind of contentiousness, the kind of, of um, di- divisiveness, the kind of, of uh, conflict that was plaguing the church in Galatia uh, at the time that Paul writes to them. Uh, notice in the previous verse, verse 15, it says, if you bite and devour one another, take care lest you be consumed by one another. And then he says, but I say, walk in the Spirit. All right? And then then he he returns to that problem at the end of of the passage uh, beyond what David read to you. He says says, uh, in verses 25 and 26, if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become boastful, challenging one another, envying one another. And, and, and listen, rather than presenting a lot of, of like detailed discussion about the reasons why they may or may not have been in this kind of contention with one another, let us, let us say this today. Let us say that, that it, it's really sufficient to say that the pressures that was upon the first Christians, the early Christians in the, in the early church, what they felt 
uh, as, as they engaged the critical issues that were there for them. It put them in stress. It put them in tension. It put them in places where they maybe had to, to struggle or, or, or to in, in some way deal with adversity emotionally, physically, spiritually, whatever. But, but what happened there was that they began to walk in this discord. They began to walk in their flesh, and it was serious enough for Paul to catch it, all right, it got his attention, and so he begins to con- contrast these works of the flesh with the fruit of the Spirit and begins to call the church in Galatia to come back to that place of living in the Spirit and not in the flesh. So Paul is confronting his readers here with this really very, like, uncharitable kind of behavior that they have towards each other, letting them know that this is not the normal place for him for them to land, all right? They claim to be saved, therefore they have received the Spirit of the Lord, all right? And so now he's finding uh, these expressions uh, helpful that he likes to use, walk in the Spirit, be led by the Spirit, live by the Spirit. And I think you and I have to take that on as, as a serious, serious call to, to us. You and I need to be doing the same thing. This term walk is one of the Apostle Paul's like favorites, all right? It, it, he uses this to describe how the Christian should live. It, it's a word that literally means to tread with the feet, all right? And it, it oftentimes, most of the time, refers to someone's conduct or behavior. It isn't, it isn't a constitutional event, okay? It isn't like going and taking a walk that, that Paul is talking about here. He's saying, I want your behavior. I, I want the, the way you express your life here, all right? Um, I want it to be habitual. I want this to be a way of life that you are living. In, in the ancient world of the first century, uh, there was a popular expression used by philosophers of that day, and, and I want to read it to you. It, it goes like this. If a Greek wanted to know what you thought, they would simply ask you. If a Jew wanted to know what you thought, they followed you around for a week. Think about it. Why is that so important? What's the implication here? What we really believe is usually expressed by how we really live. Sociologists have said, we can read your life by going through your garbage. I'll tell you what. Let me look at your Google history and I'll tell you right where your heart is. (laughs) What we believe ought to affect the integrity of our character and the pattern of our behavior. Ephesians 4, 17. This is what I say, therefore, Paul writes, I testify in the Lord that you should not walk as others walk or as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their own mind. In other words, your walk, your lifestyle, your behavior, your patterns should be different than the common people out there who are not claiming to be Christians. One pastor writes and tells the story of a young missionary. He says that her field of service was uh, in India. Her assignment was teaching English to Hindu women by using the Bible. Um, And one evening, about halfway through her lesson, 
Uh, he says one of the women got up and, and in a very hurried way walked out. A short time later, she returned. She sat down right up front and she listened very intently, even more intently than she had originally to this missionary. At the close of the hour when the missionary was done, uh, she went over to this, this Hindu woman and she said, are you okay? I mean, you left in a hurry and then you came back. Are you, are you all right? Is everything okay? And she goes, oh yeah. She goes, I was listening to what you said and I was, I was just captured by what you were saying to us. So what I did is I quickly ran out to find your driver who was waiting outside for you. I, I went out and talked to your driver for a minute and I just asked him, I said, is, is she really real? Is this the way she really lives? And he goes, absolutely. And she goes, I was like, yes. And I came back in as quick as I could to listen to everything else you had to say. You and I do not understand the power of our witness, folks. We are the church of Jesus Christ. We are men and women who claim to be brothers and sisters, who claim to be saints of God. We are the people who are establishing the kingdom on the earth. We are the ones who are proclaiming this gospel of hope, this gospel of power to those around us. Is our life in the Spirit living up to this proclamation? Are we living where we need to be living? See, other, among other things, walking implies progress. It, it means that we are going from where one is to where one ought to be. And is that the mark of our lives? Is that the way we are living our lives? Or are we going around? Are, do, do we have our own little desert experience here and there is a point where we are and a point where we need to be, but it's going to take us a number of years to get there because of the way we are living? And the reality is that God's intent for you and I, I believe, is to be efficient in our growth and our maturity. To allow the Holy Spirit to work and to move us. Honestly, if you try to save yourself, if you try to change yourself, if you try to conform in your own strength and power, it's going to be a slow road, friend. If at all. You and I cannot do this. It requires the Spirit. It requires the Holy Spirit working in our lives. And so we have to submit to the Spirit's control because it is the Spirit's control that moves you and I, all right? Moves us forward in this spiritual life. Step by step, the Spirit moves you and I from where we are towards where God wants us to be. And here's the thing. The Christian is to walk differently because... In Christ, we are different people. The old has to go away. We have to put on the new. And, and we, it's just like removing soiled clothing and taking a shower. You don't want to go back and put dirty clothes on. When you've been cleaned up and you've been sanctified, why would you want to go back to a dirty place in life, a fleshly place? Why would you not want to, to continue to grow? And why would you not want to live in this kind of place? Why? Why would we want to do that? So the lost will see our life that should be very exemplary. And we also would not grieve the Holy Spirit. In the days of the early church, 
believers were often slandered, especially by their very pagan neighbors. They were called atheists because they didn't serve a visible God. They were called unpatriotic because they didn't burn incense before the image of the emperor. They were called immoral because of necessity they, they met in secret where they re, were reputed to have these love feasts and different kinds of things. The best way that they could defeat this slander of the pagan world around them was for the Christians to conduct themselves not only in a very virtuous kind of way instead of wickedly, but also wisely instead of foolishly. The intent of God is that you and I would, first of all, not think more highly of ourselves than we should, but that we would walk in such a way that, that our walk would match our talk, and that that would actually be the more important thing. All right, Edgar Guest, 20th century poet, he said this, he said, I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. <laughs> And that's what you are. If you are a child of God, if you are a believer, if you are a Christian, whatever names you want to use, okay, but if you are a follower of Christ, if you are a disciple, then indeed you are a sermon in progress. You are in actuality a living epistle. You are a letter to the world that they can read from day to day day in and day out? And is it consistent? Is it what it needs to be? Is it what it's supposed to be? Are you able to claim that, hey, as Paul did, just watch me, do what I do, you'll be all right? Whoa! That wasn't a boast. That was simply a man saying, hey, I don't have it. This is a man who says, I beat myself down daily in a spiritual sense to to overcome my flesh. This is a man who, yeah, he started out saying, hey, I'm the apostle, I'm the man of God. But in in the the later letters, he says, I am the worm. My, My best righteousness is filthy. This is a man who understood where he was. But he's saying, hey, walk with me. And so this is what he's saying to the Galatians. Okay, walk in the Spirit, and you won't fulfill this lust of your flesh. What does it mean to walk in the Spirit? I'm going to give you one of those things today and then we'll probably end there for the day, okay? But one of the things that it means to walk in the Spirit is that the Holy Spirit is transforming us. Here's how the Holy Spirit transforms you. The Holy Spirit conforms you. We are transformed by being conformed. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 17 and 18, if a man is in Christ or a woman is in Christ, they are a new creature. All things are passed away. All things become new. And all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. We are transformed because we are conformed into the image of of Christ, and we are continually being transformed. Second Corinthians chapter three, verse eighteen. He says, "He says, all of us, we all, all right, with, with with an unbelded face, we are beholding the glory of the Lord, all right, and we are being transformed 
All right? We are being transformed into this same image from, from glory unto glory. Some translations in, in the, 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 the one that we use the most around here says, from one degree of glory unto another degree of glory. It's like from faith to faith. You'll exercise faith and you'll step out for God in obedience, in faith to do what God has called you to do. And what happens? When you accomplish what God has called you to do by faith, it increases your faith. And so in that increased faith, then God speaks to you again and calls you to more. And as you accomplish what God has called you to do by faith, it increases your faith. And so you move from faith unto faith. As you are being conformed into the image of Christ, as you behold the glory of the Lord and the power of the Holy Spirit reveals this to you, you become more like Jesus. And as you are more like Jesus, it moves you to a greater revelation of Jesus that then allows you to be conformed more like Jesus because your life is constantly being transformed through this work of truth in the Word and, and this encounter with the presence of Almighty God. And this is a Holy Spirit work. No other, no one gets credit for this stuff, all right? Nobody does but God through the Holy Spirit, all right? So, again, to rehearse to you, the primary work of the Holy Spirit in our lives is to conform us into the image of the very Son of God. And so the Spirit of God through his sanctifying work in our lives. He is constantly uh, creating in us this, this moral transformation that is going on. And we are moving more and more into what the Bible calls his excellencies, all right? The, the characteristics of Christ. They're manifesting in our lives. And it, it, it's really, really powerful when we start to see this work that God is doing. Let me read from you to read to you from uh, 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 he's, this guy's a religious editor um, for a, a long-standing um, Christian publication. Um, his name is Louis Cassells. He says this: Immediately upon our conversion, we set out on the path of Christian pilgrimage. We will spend a lifetime walking it. There are no rest stops. No plateaus at which we can flop down and say that we've gone far enough. At the beginning, God accepts us in all of our sinfulness and selfishness. But this does not mean that He is content to have us remain in that state. We are all, in the New Testament's terrifying phrase, called to be saints. Our Father knows our weaknesses better than we do. And He does not expect us to become saints overnight. But He does demand that we keep moving in that direction. Or as the good old Methodist phrase puts it, that we continue groaning towards perfection. And that's where we need to be going, all right? He continues and says, at each step of the journey, the question that really matters is not whether we are a little further along than some of our friends and neighbors, but how far have we progressed since yesterday? The worst thing that you and I can do is compare ourselves to someone else in the body of Christ. All right? That's not the way it goes. That's not the way it works. All right? 
if I compare myself to David and David compares himself to me, we never do this, of course, one of us is going to come up short. What needs to happen is that we both are looking at the good in each other, seeing what God is doing and celebrating that and encouraging each other that though we are not where we should be, we are further along than we were and we are getting to where God intends us to be and that my role is to encourage that in my brother that I am constantly speaking good into his life. I am constantly encouraging him and building him up and holding him up in the most holy faith. And that I certainly am not bringing him down or tearing him down by my own flesh works. Folks, there have been times when I've come in the office and ranted and raved for a few minutes. You all know I'm a passionate person. All right, I... Things just bother me, and I let them build up in there, and I come in the office, and I'm like, doggone it, and I'm just ranting and raving, and all of a sudden, it's like, David, I'm sorry. I'm just bringing you down. <laughs> I apologize. I repent. That's not my role. My role is to be an encourager, to be a blessing, to be a help. That's your role. That's our role. We are to cooperate with the work of the Spirit, which is the work of moving us to be more like Jesus. And we can't do that when there's dissensions and all these kind of things that Paul referenced as he began to talk to the Galatians to say, you need to walk in the Spirit. I know he names that whole big list. Oh, my goodness, that's a list. All right? And we're not going to get into all of that and dissect all of that out, for heaven's sakes. You don't, I don't think you need to do that. Um, I believe all of you are very familiar with those terms, and I don't need to elaborate on them. All right? We are going to talk about the fruit of the Spirit because I'm not sure we all know all those facets of the Spirit and how they operate. And so we're going to look at some of those because that's where we need to go, all right? You, I, I'm not going to spend a lot of time with you dissecting sins. I'm going to spend time with you looking at where the Holy Spirit wants to take us, where He wants us to go. So what I'm saying to you, as I think Lewis is saying as well, is you have been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. You are being saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. And you will be saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. And that is the work that God is doing in our lives. Through the Spirit's transforming work, we learn to love to do what we ought to do anyway. And we glorify God then with every part of our life. This is why 1 Corinthians 10, 31 says, it doesn't matter whether you eat or whether you drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. This isn't about nitpicking about what someone prefers and, and these different preferences and all this kind of stuff and whether someone be, should be doing this or should be doing that. It's about does my life line up with the Word of God in such a way that it validates me and gives me the authority to speak into someone else's life. And so can I be a light and can I share and encourage with someone else so that we both can be more like Jesus? That is the work of the Spirit. And God will do that through gifts. God will do that through the various facets of the fruit of the Spirit. God will do that in wonderful, anointed, powerful ways with power encounters. God will do that through His Word. He will do it with us, with one another. But not if our epistle is disqualified by our fleshly behavior. And you know what? We're all going to misstep 
Not, I'm not talking about legalistic condemnation. I'm not talking about shaming one another and those kinds of things. I'm saying to you, we all, we all need to be moving because the Spirit of God transforms us. And this is how He does it. God uses virtually every event, every circumstance that we encounter, and every person with whom we come in contact with to mold us and to shape us into the image of God. You and I need one another. And the events that have happened, good, bad, ugly, or pretty, have had an effect and an impact on us. But it is the Holy Spirit that will use them and will shape you and I. And when we cooperate with the Spirit's transformation of our character, and that's what I'm going to talk to you about next Sunday, okay? It's how we cooperate with what the Spirit is doing. When we cooperate with the Spirit's transformation of our character, it glorifies God, it edifies the body of Christ, and it transforms the individual in powerful and wonderful ways. Walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now, there's a beginning place where all this happens. Josh Tuttle, come. Josh is going to share with you the beginning mark of walking in the Spirit. Um, <clears throat> so Bill has posed these questions to us today of how are you living? Um, and they're hard questions. How are you living? Are you living in the Spirit or are you continuing to live in the flesh? Are you seeing progression in your life as you walk? Um, are you seeing the fruit of the Spirit? Are you seeing love, joy, peace, patience? Uh, are you seeing things of the flesh? Are you seeing fits of anger, um, rivalries, divisions among you? Um, I encourage you to examine your life, um, which you probably have been, as I have, sitting here listening to Bill. Um, and in your examination, if you find that you are still living in your flesh, um, there is hope. There is hope because Jesus calls us to come back to him. He calls us to come to live in the spirit, to come to follow him, to be obedient to him. And he came to forgive us of everything in our flesh that we've been doing. Um, and Jesus sent, God sent Jesus to save us, not to condemn us um, for what we've done in our flesh. And so there is hope um, through the forgiveness that Jesus brings us through his life and resurrection. Um, and so the prayer team is going to come up. As Bill said, we do need each other, um, and we believe that um, that we all need each other and that we need prayer um, and to pray for each other and to encourage each other and lift one another up to live in the Spirit. And so um, I'm going to pray for us and close us out, and the prayer team will come up. And if you need prayer for anything at all, you're welcome to do so. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you. Um, for how your spirit works in Life Church, for how you move in our hearts, for how you um, reveal to us where we're at, and how you help us to see the progression you've had in our lives, and that there can be joy in that for seeing where you have brought us from, and there is hope in that. And we just pray um, that you would continue to um, show us hope, show us freedom from sin. God, show us that there is life in the Spirit, that it is a normal life for us to be obedient to you. 
And God, that we do not want to walk in disobedience, but we just pray that your, your blood would cover us in that, that your life um, through the resurrection would cover us. In your holy name I pray, Jesus. Amen.